Welcome to the Fitness in Color podcast, where we follow and highlight the experiences of people of color in the wellness and fitness industry, telling their stories in their own words. It's definitely a game changer, just helping women believe in themselves. Because a lot of the women that come to me have just like been through a lot and they've kind of like lost that belief in themselves. And it's just like me reminding them like, hey, like remember who you are, remember your power and like really just like step into that and like, let's go. Sal, welcome to Fitness in Color. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I loved finding you on Instagram because I was like, I think I found you through Ashley Mitchell, who's a previous guest. And I was like just searching on the internet for um, for people who inspire me that I can tell their stories through the show. And I came across your your page and I saw that you have this weight loss journey that then has carried on to become something that you do as part of your life in terms of like teaching other women how to um, manage their health in their body. And so I wanted to get you on the show. And, and so I'm excited, excited to have you. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat. Um, Ashley is amazing. As we all know, her episode was amazing, by the way. Yeah, no, she's she's actually been on the podcast twice now. Because she was, oh, wow. she was like, one, I think she was my first actual interview. And then I had her as part of this episode that's called Fierce Urgency of Now. And she's on a panel. And she's just as equally amazing there. Okay, I gotta check that episode out. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So awesome. Tell, tell the folks uh, who you are, what you're doing today, and where you are. So hi, everyone. My name is Sal McClowey. I use she, her pronouns. Um, By day, I'm a neuroscientist um, in training. I do research in computational neuroscience. Um, By night, I'm a strength coach. I run Stronger Girls. So that's a digital community where I teach women the tools to empower themselves through strength inside and out. And I'm also a fitness model. So that's what I do in general. And then today was just a chill day. I was supposed to go work out, but I was like, my body hurts. So I took the day off and I just like listened to music and like meditated and journaled. um, And that's what my body needed. And I'm feeling good now. Yeah, I love that. And I even need that reminder because I am, the time of this recording, I'm just launching uh, the Pioneers Apparel line and I haven't slept in like two weeks. You sharing that just gives me that like, you need to hang out. You need to do what Sal's doing. Like you need to take care of your body. Yeah, you need to listen to your body. I feel like especially with hustle culture, it's like, okay, work, hustle, grind. Like you need to have a side hustle. You need to invest. You need to do this. But it's also like we're human and we need rest. Yo, real talk. Like the hustle. You know what's You just say that investing, right? Investing. Like all my friends are investors now. And they're all making a little bit of money here and there. And it's like, am I missing something? Here I am building a business, right? Day and night. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm missing out on the stock market. And it's like, you can't do everything. You can't. I mean, you could try, but you won't really yeah. be really good at it. If I if I tried to learn to be an investor, a day trader, I wouldn't be able to launch an apparel line. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, I want to get to know Sal. I want to get to know Sal as a child, a kid, growing up, where you're from, what sports you played, your family dynamics. And because and, I always find that starting there kind of kind of tells a journey to how, like, where you are today. So, that's how I like to start. So, tell us, tell us about your childhood. Yeah, so I was born in Morocco, moved here when I was about two. I mean, obviously with my parents, not like on my own with like a little suitcase. (laughs) Yeah, so I I grew up here and in Morocco. So I have kind of like both cultures ingrained in me. But I grew up with like two very hardworking parents. My dad delivered um, food for a restaurant. My mom was working full time. And then she was also in school full time to be a nurse while taking care of three kids. So I have two younger sisters. They're both twins. I'm the eldest. 
So that's been a fun journey. African parents with, you're the eldest of African parents. I'm the eldest of African parents. I know. Oh, you I feel know. me. I feel like, Are you normal or are you the eldest child of African parents? <laughs> Am I, or you say if I'm normal or if I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Because I know the pressures and, and the expectations of first generation kids. Yeah. Like it's like your parents literally give up everything and they move to another country and they never let you forget it. I mean, with good reason, but it's also like when you want to go for your dreams, they're kind of looking at you like, really? I left my country for you to post like sit up videos on Instagram? Seriously. Yeah. No, for real. I, uh, I mean, I remember as soon as I graduated college, my first corporate job, I had to buy our family home because my parents gave up everything to come to this country and then they needed that help. And who was going to, I had to, I couldn't like say, no, this is my money. No, this, you know, we have to take care of each other. And so like, there are a lot of responsibilities there. And so I know like, if they don't see you doing what they expect you to be doing, it could be, it could be th- difficult for you. Yeah. And especially when you have like younger siblings, they kind of get away with everything. And it's cause like you had to get in trouble to do the thing. So like, you know, like as a, as the eldest immigrant daughter of Muslim parents, they were very strict and overprotective. So like, I couldn't really go out that sort of thing. But like, obviously I rebelled. But now, like, my sisters just do whatever and, like, or, I mean, like, growing up, my sisters did whatever and it was fine because, like, I went through, like, that whole process of, like, conditioning my parents to just, like, get used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's definitely the immigrant child experience or the first generation child experience. I love it. Awesome. So, you guys moved to New York? Is that where your parents moved to? Yeah. So, we moved to Brooklyn, New York. Basically, have been here my whole life with the exception of part of college. And then I came back here because it's New York or nowhere. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so your your city, you're you're born and bred. Well, you know, you're, you're bred in, in New York City, I'm like, Brooklyn. Yeah. So, you know, what what'd you do in school? Did you go to school in the city? Did you play sports in school? Yeah. So I'll start off um in high school. I went to a small high school um in Brooklyn, and it was about like maybe like three hundred students in my graduating class. And I wasn't like I wasn't super active until like later in high school. Like I was the girl who would like fake sick in PE class like to get out of it. But, like, look at me now. Um, but it was also just because, like, PE class, like, in high school was just boring. Like, it was like, okay, run run some laps and do some sit-ups. It's like, how does this, like, relate to me, right? Like, I'm going to, like, leave this this class. I'm going to go get a slice of pizza, some honey buns, and, like, an Arizona iced tea. Because, like, that's what we did. Like, it just, like, didn't – it felt like it didn't apply. But one summer, I was like, I should probably learn how to swim so I don't drown. So I, it was the summer before my senior year. I took swim lessons at, like, Sunset Park Pool. Um, it was, like – free and like run by like New York state like parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that. And then I tried out for the swim team. I, was it, I no, it was my freshman year of high school. I tried out for, for the swim team and I made it to the swim team. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. So I, I swam for all four years of high school. Um, and that was like the most active I'd been. We'd be like in water during swim season for like two hours a day, just nonstop, like swimming laps, drills. Um, and then on the weekend we'd go to competitions. And I guess that's how like I started my fitness journey, right? Like I just, I really enjoyed swimming because it wasn't about like running laps mindlessly. It was like, okay, we're training for this meet that's coming up on this day. And then we have this meet this day and you're swimming this variation for this distance. And like, I I liked having that structure. I also did track for a little bit. Like I kind of like hated that because that goes back to like the whole running thing. (laughs) (laughs) Me on a running podcast. Oh, not on a running podcast, but like I know you're a runner, and I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, I hate running. I mean, I don't hate running anymore. Like I, I found 
I, I found ways to make it enjoyable. But like yeah. in the past, it was just like, it was like pulling teeth. No, I hear that. I, I and, and that's a lot of people's experiences with running. That's cool. So before you got into swimming, what, like, you know, was it just PE? Did you play kind of like street sports? Like, did you run around or were you just, you know, school and, and hanging out? There was no hanging out in this in this household. <laughs> it was it was school, come home, or it was like school, go to your extracurriculars, you know, whatever, like history club, and then come home, do your homework, um, and then go to sleep. Like, I was the kid that would get in trouble because I'd be reading late at night. I had, like, this little reading lamp, and my parents would, like, yell at me to go to sleep because, like, they would catch me, like, under the blanket with my reading lamp, like, reading books. <laughs> oh, my God. As yeah. a kid, I, as a kid, I was not like that. I was the total opposite. I was the total opposite. But that's so funny. I love that. Um, okay, so then you got into swimming, and uh, you enjoy that. And then you did that through four years, and then so then you land in college. You go to Middle, Middlebury? Yeah, so I went to Middlebury, and I also went to um, Barnard College at Columbia University. Yeah, and that was actually where I found, like, my love for powerlifting. Um, I started going to the gym with one of the girls that I met in school, and like, she taught me how to lift. And I was like, you know what? I want to take this further. And I found, like, this garage gym in Brooklyn just like showed up and kept showing up and like I learned how to lift properly. Let me just quickly explain what the sport of powerlifting is. So in powerlifting, there's three lifts that you compete in, the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift, and you get three attempts at each lift. And the goal is to lift as heavy as you can for each lift to find your competition maximum. And that's what you're training for. So I did that for a few years. And um, in that process, I was really struggling with depression, like I was going through like severe depression. So combine that with like a toxic stress culture at an Ivy League institution. And I just was really unhappy. Um, I was very like sluggish, like my joints hurt. I ended up gaining like 10 pounds and it was 20 pounds and I was 30 pounds. And then I was approaching like nearly 200 pounds and I just like didn't feel or look like myself. So I needed to change something. So I hired a nutrition coach and they coached me through like tracking macros. They had like that accountability for me. And then I slowly started losing the weight. So, you know, like it was like a couple pounds a week. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really cool. So before we go there, I, oh, I would have thought your story would have been like, I started powerlifting after I got through, you know, dropping 50 pounds, not you started powerlifting and then you put on all this weight and then you learned because that's that's interesting to me because you got into fitness and then you know you put on all this weight and then you you came back down that's that's kind of how it happened right yeah yeah it was kind of like the opposite it was like a reverse fitness journey yeah so what got you so let's go back to the powerlifting you met this this girl and she was like let's go powerlift well she was like let's go lift like let's go build some muscle and we did that like but then we kind of like got to a certain point like we kind of just like hit a wall with like the lifting and I just I yeah. wanted I wanted more like I wanted to lift heavier because I just it made me feel badass um so I went out and I got a coach for myself okay that's really really cool all right so it sounds like that nutritional nutrition coach was key to you getting back to feeling like yourself so yeah talk, talk about that yeah so I hired like somebody to help me with my nutrition when we tracked macros I was like what the heck is a macro and like they kind of like broke that down for me I was like weighing all my food and that sort of thing but it wasn't like I was like restricting or anything. It was more like understanding what I was putting into my body and like how to fuel my body. So I was tracking everything that I ate, like I was weighing and measuring my food. And it wasn't like in a weird kind of like restrictive way. It was more of like, okay, let's see what it, what the data looks like and like what I'm eating. And let's see 
how I can change that to get closer to my goals. So like at the time, my goals were fat loss, um, and also to maintain my muscle so I can continue to lift, right. So you know, I like made sure to eat like nutrient dense foods, hydrate, and then like also just like making time making making foods that I enjoyed and wanted to eat like fit my macros. Um, and at the time I was like, really into like fast food. So like, not not fast food, more like burgers. Um, mm -hmm. So like, I'd like make burgers fit my macros and like, that sort of thing. I and mean, that was really helpful to me. Because like, growing up, like, there was no emphasis on nutrition, even though like, I swam competitively, like we never had somebody come in and talk to us like, hey, you're swimming you have a really high output. So you know, you want to make sure to eat this much. So that way you're fueling your body, right? Like, we would go, we would swim, like two hours a day. And then we'd go to like five guys and eat burgers and fries and like soda. Like it worked. But like, it wasn't optimal. Like we probably could have been much better athletes if we would have been much better athletes if we were fueling our bodies properly. But we just like didn't know how because I guess, I mean, our, our school was definitely like under resourced. Um, mm -hmm. And like when you're under resourced, like, I feel like school systems almost see it as like a frivolous thing yeah, or a lot absolutely. of a lot of folks tend to see like health as like a frivolous thing i agree the food the, i mean the food the food system in this country you know is set up so that like those things are seen as frivolous because there's more money in all the junk food and the sugars you know the stuff that they can mass produce than there is in like the healthy foods and so like the system is set up for us to not know honestly like you know people yeah. people people uh lobby congress to make sure that you know we are uneducated on this stuff and the schools are uneducated on this stuff so yeah. you know we're fighting against that and so like our you know our food source system is in this country is totally backwards so like you know it's not it's not surprising that we don't know that stuff you know it's and we go through school those are things that we need to be learning in school you know because that's like life that you that's your life and your health and so so i definitely yeah i agree with you there so then in powerlifting, I'm so fascinated by powerlifting because I've never met a powerlifter. So, I mean, were hello. you? <laughs> I know, I know. Now I know you. Now we're homies. Uh, what in that powerlifting kind of space, like, did you see yourself in other people? No. At the time, it was a relatively new sport. It was mostly white. Like, while there were like some women, like, slowly like coming into the sport, and there, there were mostly white women. But like recently, like, it's been so much more diverse, and I think it's just been like other women seeing women powerlifters do their thing and like being inspired by it and like being like, Hey, I want to try that. Or like, Hey, I want to get strong and just like really falling in love with the sport. I think there's something about it. I don't know exactly what, but there's just, there's just so much like, mm -hmm. like for you, there's running, right. And like you run because it makes you feel some type of way and you can't get that feeling anywhere else. And that's what powerlifting is to me or just lifting weights in general. And so as you're going through your journey, are you managing powerlifting and a nutritional diet and some other form of exercise or, or is it powerlifting coupled with nutrition that you've been focusing on or that you focused on to kind of like get rid of what you call the yo-yo diet? Is it a combination of the two or did you do incorporate other fitness, um, I guess, components? Yeah, I think it was just powerlifting and just adjusting my nutrition for my goals. Um, I didn't really have time to do much else with like school and then multiple jobs like pay for school because we all know how like financial aid is at schools yeah especially at these ivy league institutions where it's not yeah. cheap to go so you studied to become a neuroscientist yes right? so long story short due to my depression i actually ended up dropping out of um 
school to just like work on my mental health. Um, and then I ended up going back to school to get my degree. So I ended up finishing both degrees at Middlebury and at Columbia. So I have a degree in neuroscience from Middlebury. So that's what I ended up studying. So you have a degree from two schools? Yes. And they're both in neuroscience? Uh, no, one is in Africana Studies and Psychology. Oh. I talked to someone on this show about psychology and and that being part of like your being part of a coach and how you can use if you can learn some type of you know if if you can take classes in psychology, you can then become a better coach. So I, I'd love oh, to hear your experiences. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to hear because I, I didn't know. So thank you for sharing, right? Because um, I didn't know that you everywhere I read, I, I I didn't I didn't know you had two degrees and then also went through like a bout of depression. So I appreciate you being open about that. Um, because mental health is another thing that moving your body can, can kind of help with. Yeah, that's actually the reason why I started training. I started seeing a therapist and she was like, you know, like physical activity can really help with depression. And I was like, guess I'm going to the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So talk about kind of, you're in college, you're, you're getting, you know, going through it, you get into the gym and then you put on all this weight and then you kind of manage it by finding help. And then you get both your degrees, and then you decide to pursue both your degree as a neuro, like a neuroscience scientist in training, while also uh, creating the space for women. And so, talk to me about the importance of why you created that space and how it even came about, and and um, and what you're doing with it. So in college, a lot of folks saw my transformation, and they were inspired by it. They were like, they were like, oh, how did you like start lifting weights, or like how did you like lose all that weight? And I would, like, give people, like, tips and tricks, but, like, I wasn't certified, so I didn't feel comfortable, like, training anyone. So, eventually, I got uh, my certification from USA Weightlifting, and I ended up teaching um, strength and conditioning for the Middlebury Boxing Club, and then I ended up teaching a PE course called Intro to Powerlifting, How Fitting, also at Middlebury. Both classes, I think they were, like, on a Friday and a Saturday, and that was, like, the highlight of my week. So I, I really looked forward to these classes because like I was, I was teaching people how to get strong. I was teaching them proper form, how to move their bodies in a way that like made them feel like confident and capable. And that just brought me a lot of joy. And when I graduated, I didn't have a job lined up. So I kind of just kept doing that, just kept learning and growing. And I started Stronger Girls, which is kind of like what you see now. So it's basically the way that I coach women to be the strongest version of themselves from the inside out. So I give them the tools to, to help them empower themselves to do that through strength. And like the past couple of years, basically, like I've been working like multiple jobs and also like doing Stronger Girls. Um, but I recently, not recently, it's been a while now, I, I got into um, neuroscience research. So I'm doing that full time. And then I'm also running Stronger Girls. And that's where we're at. Cool. So I want to hear about the, the, uh, the tools that you use. Because I'm sure it's more than just lifting. Because you yeah. created this platform that was that has been recognized by, um, you know, I saw you in Self Magazine, and then you also got a, a reward from or an award from American Express, which is huge. Yeah. So what you're doing is is impacting is, the work that you're doing is gaining notoriety. And so, like, talk about the tools that you're using in the program, because um, I'd love to learn about that. So I have a curriculum called the Stronger Girls Curriculum, obviously, and I'm actually releasing like how I do this eventually. It's called the SMART system. Um, and SMART is an acronym. I'll tell you all about it. So just like stay tuned for that. Basically, it's a lot of evidence-based work. So it's not just like do this because I say so. It's like, here's your program. 
Um, and it's based on these goals that you've given me. And I've reverse engineered that program based on the goals that you've given me. And this is how we're going to help get you there. And this is why we're doing this. So it's not just like, we're doing this just to do it. It's like, we're doing this and you're going to know why we're doing this so that way you feel empowered in your choices um, and in your actions in doing this. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. And so like someone comes to you and they say, this is my goal. I want to lose weight. I want to be stronger or, you know, and then you take that and you build a program around their goals using your system. And then you explain exactly why you're doing it. Yeah. Cause what I think is really lacking in like the fitness space a lot of like these coaches will like throw a program at you and then that's like that's like it right and like you're just expected to do it but I, I really thrive on like knowing the why behind things like having purpose so I also try to instill that in the way I coach others yeah no, that's really cool do you is it uh do you incorporate nutrition do you incorporate do you incorporate all of that yeah so it's it's a mix of both so I'll, it'll be strength training and it'll also be nutritional guidance so you'll get your program for training, however many days, the exercises, the breakdown. And then most folks that I coach, I'll, I'll train them in how to track macros and how to use that because I find that allows a lot of flexibility and food freedom. So you're not like on a diet and like dieting and feeling just like you're on this like endless diet. It's more about like fueling your body and like nourishing your body. And then not everyone likes macros. So I have other methods that I use like uh, precision nutrition, like they're... Um, that basically use your hand for portioning. So like a portion of protein is palm sized, fist sized. Um, a portion of carbs is, is fist sized. And then um, a portion of fats is thumb sized. So helping people to do that. So you're not like carrying a scale with you everywhere you go. And then mindset work. We'll have like check-in calls um, or we'll do digital check-ins and just like see how things are going, right? If like things are going great, then awesome. We keep doing what we're doing. And if things aren't, aren't going so hot, then we take a step back and like we look at like what we need to change or shift um, in order to take bigger steps or not even bigger steps, smaller steps for like bigger changes. And what I find most often happens with women is just like struggling with like scale weight or like how they look. So we do a lot of work on, you know, instead of focusing on like how you look, focus on like what you can do, what you can accomplish, what you can achieve. Um, so less aesthetics-based goals and more performance-based goals. So instead of being like, I want to lose 10 pounds, it'll be like, I want to get my first pull-up, right? And then we'll train for that. Or I want to squat double body weight, we'll train for that. Because those are more like tangible. I mean, both are tangible goals, but I just think like one is, is less. A lot of the times women kind of just like see their weight as like, or the way that they look as like, like the worst thing about them but like we're yeah. so much more than that and that's what i want to teach people yeah it, it kind of they, they may see it kind of like it defines them because it's what people see it's what is out it's, it's um is on the outside the first thing people see so they might you know feel like that's what defines you yeah and i love that you flip it on it and it's like all right that's not the goal the goal is the, the one pull up like a pull up is hard and getting a pull up done is is you find you can find so much like um it's like a goal that you can reach in and be super excited about that would then lead you to the next goal and then you want to get more pull-ups and then you want to get more pull-ups yeah. i want to get more pull-ups i can't even do pull-ups myself right now but like you know and i know how, what it takes so i'm afraid to even start to start uh trying again but but no, i love that i really do because the mindset 
because physical being physical physically fit is just as much mental as it is physical if you don't think you can do it and you're probably not gonna be able to do it you know if you like already say you're not gonna be able to do it then you're probably not and so like incorporating that mental kind of mindset is very important to to helping people meet their fitness goals i think and i love that you do that yeah no it's definitely a game changer just helping women believe in themselves because a lot of the women that come to me have just like been through a lot and they've kind of like lost that belief in themselves and it's just like me reminding them like hey like remember who you are remember your power and like really just like step into that and like let's go yeah stronger girls what um girls (laughs) and strong him boys ah strong him boys that's a new one that's a new one i like that i want to touch upon like you taking psychology uh, you know uh, I, I think you said you ma- you minored in it yeah so I minored in it but I'm more focused in neuroscience now but they're they're relatively similar no I want to talk about like what you do you see any like do you use any of your psychology learnings and in, um, in, in kind of the way that you coach do you see any any overlap there so I, I guess like the way that I train folks is informed by research, right? So I'm like reading research articles on like psychology and like neuroscience, exercise physiology, nutrition, that sort of thing. And like the evidence will inform the way I train my athletes. But it's not necessarily like I learned that sort of thing, like my undergrad career. Undergrad was a lot of just like reading like studies and like running experiments. Um, And just like the basics of like psychology and neuroscience. But I feel like once I graduated and I had like that skill set, like now I'm able to to use that for for the better. Because I, I feel like a lot of the research that happens, it's just like academics talking about it. But I, I have this goal to like do more with that research, like actually apply it to real life, like where it's applicable. I mean, like not every study is applicable, but like if it if it works, it works. And that is what informs how I coach. Yeah, and it goes back to you saying evidence-based approach. And so talk about the women that you see. You're empowering women, right? Like you post your photos and you're just like, man, like Sal is fit. She's dope. I saw you in a FUBU ad on Instagram. And I was like, yo, Sal, I know her. Like, I know her. I was like, hey, is this Sal? Um, like, so talk about the, the women who come to you. Are their goals to look like you? Yeah, so um, everyone who wants to work with me has to fill out an application because I only take on clients that I know I can help and like I have the skill set to help um if like there's something that like I can't help somebody with like I do my best to help them find someone else in the industry that can help them so like referring out a lot of the women want to either gain strength gain strength and lose fat or gain strength and gain muscle Sometimes I do get women that are like, hey, I want to look like you. And then I, you know, I remind them like, hey, like this has been a process. It hasn't like happened overnight. Like it's been like, what, like five or six years in the making, right? Of like training, of nutrition, mindset work. And it's not just like going to happen overnight. And and you're never going to look like me because we have different genetics, right? Like our bodies are all different. I could give you the same exact workout plan, the same exact macros, same exact mindset work. And you're going to have a different result because you're an entirely different human. So that's how I try to explain that. Because most folks are like, oh my God, she's a fitness model. And like, I want to look like her. But I'm like, we're different. And like, we need to embrace our differences, right? Like I, I didn't start here. Does that make sense? No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think that more people need to hear that, right? Like, we're not failures because we don't all look whatever is considered perfect. 
You know, like it just doesn't work for us. It's just these programs and, and, and things that are more mainstream are not created with us in mind, with people of color in mind. Like they're created with a white or a white woman or white man in mind. And then we're supposed to fit that mold, you know? And so like for us to, to be able to, to change the narrative and say like, this doesn't work for everyone, right? Like we need to work on, on different ways to do it. I think, I think is, um, I think it's powerful. I think it, it probably helps your women, the women that you coach, even just stop thinking a different way, right? They're not going to try and look like that because that's not going to work for them. So no, it's, it's very powerful. I think, I think that's super cool. And, um, and I'm wondering if I, I kind of want to go back to the work that you do in uh, being a neuroscientist in training and how, how that applies to everything. I know you do that by day, but like, does that impact the work that you do with the women that you coach? Yeah, so the work that I do on a day-to-day basis in the lab um, is very based on like computational neuroscience. Okay. So it's very niche, very different, and not really applicable. Mm-hmm. But I guess just like the scientific process works, mm-hmm. right? Good point. Like yes, having a hypothesis, and then I don't want to call it an experiment because like I, you don't want to be experimenting on your body. But you know, just like we know what works, we know what doesn't work typically, and then we give these tools to people to try them. Um, and then based on their results, then we rework that hypothesis, we rework that process and land at a different conclusion. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Wow, uh, do you see more women of color coming to you or is it kind of anyone? I mean, because I, you know, I, I know from experience that it needs to be, you need to see it to be it. Mm-hmm. And so do you find that people who look like you approach you more than others or, um, like, how's that look in terms of who you service? Yeah. So in the beginning, um, I definitely had more of, like, everyone coming to me. Um, but lately, it's been a lot of women of color, a lot of BIPOC women. And a lot of them are like, I reached out to you because, like, you know, you speak out about these issues that our people are facing. Um, you look like me. You come from a similar background as me. And people want someone that they can relate to, someone that they don't have to explain the things that they go through, right? So, like, something that I really struggled with during the summer is when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening and, like, the fitness world was just like, okay, we're still posting our little workout Wednesdays. Like, one of the – somebody that I I followed at the time, I unfollowed her, she, like, posted her little black square. She was like, oh, my God, Blackout Tuesday today. And then the next slide was literally, like, workout Wednesday tomorrow because it's Blackout Tuesday today or something like that. And I was just like, Really? But going back to, to, like, having a coach that understands you, right? Like, if you're in bed depressed because your people are being shot down by, by the police, like, I personally would want a coach that's, that understands that and holds space for that rather than is like, okay, get it together. Like, you still have macros to hit. Like, I, I want to be able to, like, talk about that. And that's what I did with a lot of my clients this summer. It was kind of just, like, checking in and, like, holding space for them. And talking about how these events are influencing their lives. Because it's like health and wellness, it's not just about fitness, right? It's like this larger circle, right? Like something that I try to base the way I work in is the biopsychosocial model. So our greater health is influenced by our biology, our psychology, and our social environment, right? So what does our biology look like? What does like our, our mental health look like? what does the environment that we're living in look like? And all these things are going to inform 
our health. We can't just pick and choose. Because you're inspiring me because you, you think outside of what is considered normal or not, I'm not gonna say normal. You think outside of what is kind of like, what is expected. Like you're, you're expanding the mind and thought process of the folks you're working with and thinking larger about kind of their experiences because you just talked about biology and how you're made up and like the environment that you live in, you know, that all goes into our health. Like, just like you said it. So, I mean, I can't even say it as well. You just, as you just said it, but um, it's inspiring. It really is. And so I, I love to hear it. So talk, talk about your experiences this past summer. Were you working full-time and coaching? And then like talk, if you feel comfortable going to like how you felt about growing within this movement, because you are outspoken um, and you were featured in, in magazines and, and on, you know, IG posts. And then you also joined the Fit For Us uh, community that I'm also a part of. So talk about kind of like your growth and journey through summer 2020. So during the summer, um, I just really struggled with like seeing like the fitness world just like carry on with like their like day to day stuff. And like nobody, or at least the people that I was following at the time weren't speaking out about it until... I guess like Instagram kind of just like exploded and then people were like, okay, we need to, we need to amplify black creators. We need to, to do this and that. And it was a lot of like performative action. I had like brands reaching out to me that had like never featured like a black person on their feet. And then they were like, okay, we want to work with you. I'm like, I, I don't think so. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. It was just, it was just a really hard time because it felt like there was a lot that we should have cared about. Like there's literally humans that are being murdered, but because of structural racism we're conditioned to like not think that it matters I, I just like the whole the whole concept of like just trying to convince other humans that black life matters like it, it just it frustrates me because like why why do we have to work so hard to explain that our lives matter and so as you were following these people you i'm, I'm guessing that you kind of have unfollowed and have found new people and you've actually stepped in front and are being the, one of the voices that is carrying kind of this importance of featuring people more than just one time or you know um being at the forefront of like i want to even call it like activism because we don't have to be you know just being at the forefront of representing you know representing um our cultures and so like i think you've done a really good job of, of kind of stepping there and also taking advantage of some of the opportunities that come with it too. So like you were able to grow your brand through partnering with uh, American Express. And so like you had done so much work prior to finally getting some notoriety, right? Like all the black, you know, me, I had the same experience, every brand, I talked to every brand. Every brand and their grandmother. Every brand and their grandmother from May till yesterday have been in my inbox calling, they wanna talk, they want me to, uh, it's like, all right, we've been doing this work. We've been doing this for years. You're just starting to notice now and you have you don't know how to do it. And so now you want us to, to kind of do it for you. And so like you do have to be prepared. And so the work that you've done and built throughout the, the few years have set you up or the, you know, the, the, the previous years have set you up to then take uh, take advantage of these opportunities. So so it's really cool, cool to see, like to go on AmericanExpress.com and see your face there. And I was like, I'm talking to her. I know her. Um, it was really yeah, cool. So was... tell me about that. Yeah, so I... I, the way that like they revealed that we had like gotten the grant, they, they actually told us it was going to be an interview. Like we were in the running for the grant and then the, 
the American Express representative was like, hey, um, I'm actually calling you to tell you that you got the grant. I just like start sobbing. I'm like, what? It was just like a really hard, like stressful week. And I was like, wait, like I, I are, are you sure? <laughs> and it was like such a relief because I had been working so hard at like my full-time job and then Stronger Girls um, and then just like depression is just like always there and I'm like always working through that. Um, but that week especially, I was just so grateful to have not only the grant, but also the opportunities that come with it for business mentorship, coaching, that sort of thing. So it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm working at this alone. It feels like I have more support to do the things that I want to do with Stronger Girls to continue having that impact and to just like make that impact greater. Really cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you deserve it. You deserve it. And Thank you. Uh, the work that you're doing is inspiring. And I, I just, I see a bright future for stronger girls. And did you say strong him boys? Is that something strong him boys. <laughs> that was actually a joke in college. Like some of my um, guy friends, they were like, you know, it's always stronger girls this, stronger girls that. What about strong him boys? And I was like, you know what? You can have strong him boys, whatever. Oh, man, guys, boys are always trying to like put themselves where they're not supposed to be. Like, just stay out of it. Right? It's about the women, yo. It's about the women. Before we end, tell us where to connect with you and how we can learn about more what you got uh, in the works through the grant and through the program you're building and um, and through the smart plan that you're building. Tell us how we can find that. Yeah. So if you want to connect with me, you can find me on social. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, at Stronger Girls. That's Strong H-E-R Girls. My website is StrongerGirls.com. And if you scroll to the bottom of the website, you can sign up for my email newsletter. And that's where you'll find insider tips for living a stronger life. Um, so yeah, go ahead and connect with me on there. And thank you, Sid, for having me. Absolutely. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes so it's easy to find. So thank you, Sal. This has been an inspiring conversation. I know that I got to know you on Instagram a bit, but now that we've had this conversation, I'm even more excited to, to kind of follow your journey, 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 journey. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a quick review. This helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. That wraps up today's show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.